2: Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. If there's one thing we can all agree on about the current state of college athletics, it's that the landscape has shifted so much in the world of NIL and the Transfer Portal that it's a brave new world for everyone, and those claiming to have all the answers aren't fooling anyone. On today's show, we'll welcome FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter for a roundtable chat about the Jaden Rashada saga, the near future for the Gators at quarterback, a mammoth new offensive lineman joining the program, former Gator Rand Carthon's ascension to NFL general manager, a record-set night for gymnastics, and the success of the supersized NFL playoffs in the PAT. Then, sophomore Kowasi Reeves stops by to talk about his growth on the court in year two, adjusting to Todd Golden's coaching staff and, of course, his signature hair. But first, it's time for the Gator Roundtable, presented by Pet Paradise. Pet Paradise is your complete pet health care destination with resort style day camp, overnight boarding, professional grooming, and compassionate veterinary care from New Day. All located under one roof to serve pet fanatics like you. Book today at PetParadise.com, the official pet care provider of the Florida Gators. It is a very small round table today, room for, for just two of us, myself and FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter, but we do have a number of things to talk about, and Scott, let's start with the one that is not just the, the talk of Gator Nation, but really um, being bandied about all around college football, and that is, of course, the Jaden Rashada saga, um, which appears to have come to some type of end, at least relative to his immediate future at Florida. Uh, so tell us what you can about where we are, how we got here, and and what's next for Florida at the most important position on the field.
1: Well, you know, Adam, I think the the latest is obviously that, you know, Jaden Rashada has uh, requested to be released from his uh, NLI. And what that means, basically, he's asked out of his scholarship at Florida, you know, after signing uh, with the Gators last month on the, the early signing period, and now he'll go back into uh, the recruiting pool and see what happens next. I mean, you know, there's a lot that's been out there in the last few days about uh, Jaden Rashad and the Gators and a, an a NIL deal uh, that didn't work out. And, you know, I'm sure some of what we've read is true. I'm sure some of it is probably more speculation. But, you know, not doing a lot of investigating reporting on, on this myself, Adam, (laughs) I'll just, I'll just say that, you know, the bottom line is it does not appear that, you know, he's going to become a gator. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll be fascinated. Like once some of the dust clears and maybe if all the facts come out or one of the parties involved, just kind of breaks it down. Like how, how it happened. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's unfortunate for him. Uh, you know a very talented guy from Pittsburgh, California. It's unfortunate for the Gators. I mean, they obviously liked him as a player. You don't you don't uh, sign a guy uh, to come in as you know main quarterback in this class uh, if you don't like him. So, uh, but you know the way college football works today. I mean, I'm gonna we're gonna see more of these kind of scenarios unfold until some kind of structure on the NIL is put into place and it's unfortunate that you know these kind of stories dominate the news cycle uh, in the off season or at least early off season so far. but that's where we are and uh, you know it certainly has been a dramatic week if you're one of those people who follow recruiting and live on the message boards. I'm not necessarily that kind of person I don't but this one even got out to the mainstream yeah uh, so as, like I said, that's just where we are. And we're going to hear more of these stories. And, you know, Florida just happened to be the school that was in the spotlight. Next week, it could easily be somebody else. But uh, so what? what's next for the Gators, you asked? I mean, I think next, you know, we'll see if they add another quarterback. And it's so different than the past era, because really with the way college football is structured now, you know, used to, you know, you sign players on National Signing Day, and maybe you get a transfer over the summer uh, but now you can get transfers certainly over to summer who can play right away. Uh, there'll be players who signed in the the early signing period who will transfer over to summer uh, and get back into the recruiting pool. It's just it's just fascinating to see where we are as a sport right now. Uh, but for Florida, right now, as of this moment, you know you've got Graham Mertz transfer from Wisconsin. You have Max Brown. Uh, the true freshman last year from uh, Tulsa. And then you have Jack Miller III, uh, the Ohio State transfer, who we saw play in the Las Vegas Bowl. So those right now going into spring football, and, of course, there's a couple of walk-on possible if they continue their careers. I think Kyle Engel being one of those guys. I don't know where that stands. But those three guys I mentioned, you figure – Mertz is probably going to go into it the most experienced, obviously. Probably going to be top the depth chart. And when you think about Rashada, what would his spring practice have been like? It would have been more for just getting acclimated than anything. And I think they brought in a guy like Graham uh, Mertz to, you know, teach the younger guys and maybe uh, lead by example at that position. So uh, I still think Mertz and Miller is pr- most likely of those two. I mean, that's one of those guys. As of this moment, you expect to probably start the season opener next year, but there's a lot of time between now and what is it, September the second at Utah, or whatever that date is. So, will they add another quarterback? It's possible. Uh, can he play in the season opener? It's possible. <laughs> there's not a lot I rule out these days, Adam. Except right now, I'm ruling out that you know Jaden Rashad is gonna gonna be that guy for the Gators.
2: As you noted, the uh, the transfer portal makes. Uh... Player acquisition seemingly a year-round business now, uh, and Florida did get some some big news at a position of need with a uh, a big guy at that that will be critical to rebuilding that offensive line.
1: Yeah, you know they got Damian uh, George uh, from Alabama, a guy out of Houston, Texas. And uh, you know I was doing some research on him. always kind of curious. To, okay, the, he started some at in 2021 at Alabama. Didn't play a lot this past year. I think he only took about 20 snaps. And, you know, he was with Alabama when they came down to play the Gators in 2021. uh, That that game at the Swamp where Florida almost pulled it off at the end. He did not play that game. But then after that, he really established himself as one of the regulars in the rotation. And for whatever reason, he kind of fell off in 2022. And as we see every day, basically, uh, he's looking for another opportunity He's a great fit for Florida because he's got some experience. Comes from, obviously, a, a great program in Alabama. Um, the best thing I've found from him in his background, uh, Adam, You know, he played on three straight championship teams. When you go back to his last two years of high school and his freshman year at Alabama mm. in 2020 when they won the national title. So the guy has seen what winning looks like up close. Uh, he's 6'6", 340 pounds. Uh, probably going to be slotted at right tackle for the Gators. Would not be surprised me if he's in the starting lineup, that opening game at Utah. I mean, they brought him into play, and he's got some in- impressive credentials. It was a teammate of the Ole Miss running back, Zach Evans, in high school. Uh, so, I mean, they they won a lot. Uh, he was a big part of that running game. And, again, he got to Alabama where the depth is so deep, and, you know, he was in and out of the lineup there. Uh and again, he's looking for another chance. So I, I think it's a good pickup for Florida, and one they really needed with, after losing Michael Tarquin uh, to USC at that right tackle position. Uh, they got Austin Barber back. Uh, they've got they lost Richard Garage. They lost Ethan White. They lost Osiris Torrance. So they need some people up there, and uh, George uh, certainly adds a, a big body and a veteran player.
2: Speaking of the uh, the player acquisition business, that's also a constant thing in the NFL. And on the bottom line this week, saw some news that was, uh, was surprised to me because I haven't followed him that closely. Rand Carthon has become the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. And Scott, it's one of those things where you know you're getting old, at least from my perspective, when the guys you watched play become coaches. And this is like another level. Then they become executives. And you're like, wait, what? I remember that guy when he was in the swamp. So it's it's a yeah. cool it's a cool note on a, on a former Gator who I imagine a lot of people probably lost track of because he didn't end up having you know some storied NFL career, but obviously has gone a different path and ended up getting to the top.
1: Yeah, after his playing days were over, he he went in, excuse me he went into the player personnel side of the business and has slowly climbed up through the ranks. Has been with the Forty ers in a, a role in uh, that side of it the last few years and. Now he's going to be GM and running his own team. And uh, it's been a while since I've talked to Rand. I remember getting with him uh, three or four years ago on a, a LSU story I was writing about where he was involved in. But even then, he was already kind of one of those guys that you knew was going to do something special in the NFL on the player personnel side and is very well respected. And I was uh, watching a report on him taking over the Titans where uh, I think it was the NFL network they said you know here was a guy when he was a kid he would actually buy these preseason magazines and stuff and and mark them up and create his own like kind of NFL draft so I mean it's just <laughs> he's obviously thought about that side of the game for a long time and uh now he's gonna get to do it at the biggest uh, level in the NFL and uh, you know hopefully he's taken over uh, a franchise that's had some success uh I, you know but they're obviously in a rebuild mode or a retool mode. And uh, as a GM, I got to think that's probably the best mode to be in when you're ta- coming into a new job because you really get to put your fingerprints on the franchise right away. So great opportunity for Rand Carthon and a guy that, like you said, a lot of fans probably got of forgot about him after uh, his playing days were over, but he
2: certainly hasn't forgotten of the game. And now he's going to get a, a chance like we talked about on the big stage. Objective number one, find someone other than Derrick Henry that can help you win games just as a, (laughs) as a start, you know, that's probably, probably what you should do on day one. Um, I want to turn our attention now to gymnastics. Smash cut from football, football, football to gymnastics. But arguably, I don't know, maybe, maybe the most popular sport at Florida right now, Scott. Uh, and they had a, a huge meet last weekend against Auburn, which meant not just a two of the top teams in the SEC, but also the chance for Gator fans to see an Olympic champion in the O-Dome. Uh, tell us about the meet against Auburn and what stood out to you
1: i want to start with the crowd. Like you just mentioned, this sport is very popular with Gator fans right now. That's the loudest I've heard the O Dome in a while. I mean, that place was sold out, and I've been to, I've been to several sold out gymnastics meets there, and I don't remember ever seeing this, the arena packed so tight up to the top or so loud. And you know, it was a, just a spectacular night for the Gators and for gymnastics fans because you know we're talking about you had the the reigning NCAA champion in the house and Trinity Thomas. You had the reigning Olympic all-around champion in Auburn's uh, Suni Lee. You had Leanne Wong and Morgan Hurd, both for the Gators, who are both former uh, medalists at the World Championships. So it was the first NCAA gym meet in history where you had four former gymnasts who medaled at the World Championships. Wow. And – I mean, and Trinity Thomas wasn't even one of those. The other one was the Gators, Kayla Cello, So that just shows you what how talented the field was, and it didn't disappoint. I mean, I don't know if you you saw what I wrote about Leanne Wong, but going into it, you know, most people walking through the door Friday night, at the not were stick okay, man, I'm going to watch Trinity Thomas and Suni Lee. Right, it's going to be a spectacular night for those. And Suni Lee was not at her best. She was good, but she wasn't at her best. Trini Thomas was great, got a 10 on the floor, but the star of the show was Leanne Wong. She got a 10 on the uneven bar. She got a 10 on the balance beam, and she missed a 10 by a fraction on the floor. Uh, only the third gymnast in UF history to get two 10s in a single meet joining Trini Thomas and Alex McMurtry. So it was just really a, a great night, uh, whether you're watching on TV, whether you were at the O-Dome, or whether or not you just you, you like gymnastics. I mean, it was just one of those meets where, I mean, I can t- I, I can tell you, we've talked about it. Adam. That sport is growing so fast, especially for TV. And you know, so many people I talk to, they seem to want to talk about gymnastics as much as they do basketball or baseball or or even football. Sometimes, I mean, we all know football is always going to be the king, but there's a certain crowd out there who really loves
2: these gymnasts, and and deservedly so. They're fun to watch. And they are the number two team in the country at this point. So again, uh, as we talked to Jenny Rowland about last week or two weeks ago, I think, it's about trying to peak at the right time. Clearly, they have the talent to win a national championship. It's just a matter of doing it uh, in in the right moment and hitting that stride when uh, when the timing is right. Um, As popular as Gator Gymnastics is, uh, probably not quite as popular as the NFL is, that's where we're going for this week's PAT. Uh, listen, it's no, it's no secret that the NFL rules American sports right now. In large part, uh, American television. If you look at ratings and what still gets people to to turn out, and we saw that this weekend with the super wild card weekend. Uh, it's the second year the NFL added the extra team, which gave them two extra games. Uh, my question is: Does more teams, more games mean better playoffs? We're only a couple years into this, but did anything from this weekend tell you this is this has really helped the playoffs or is it just more of the playoffs?
1: Well I saw the T V ratings for that Bills Dolphins game. So I don't know if that was one of the games that were added. I guess it was because of the Dolphins, right?
2: Yeah, that yeah, that was the two seven game, and then on yeah. the NFC side, it was the San Francisco Seattle was the two seven, yeah. which was a really close game until late in the third quarter. I mean, if you're the NFL,
1: you're sitting there probably Roger Goodell, you know, dumping some bags of money out on the table <laughs> at his Monday morning meeting. Hey, boys, look at this! So everybody I'm gets sure, to eat today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that he loves it. You know, from a football fan i mean i don't mind an extra game or so i but when i saw the dolphins at their record against the bills i mean i wasn't even expecting it to be that good of a game but i found myself tuning in um the seahawks 49ers game didn't see one second of it the only other game over the weekend i was curious about in the nfl was and I, it's just me because i'm more of a college football fan than an nfl fan but i certainly wanted to see a good game on Monday night when the Bucks and Cowboys played, and it turned out to be a dud, so I turned it off at halftime. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Adam, you, 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 I think you answered this question in your intro. I mean, the NFL is king. Uh, I think all 32 teams could make the playoffs and people to watch, and I think they could play another season right after this season and people would watch. <laughs> I, just, I mean, the NFL. It's why the owners of the, those teams, they are some of the richest people in the world. I mean, yeah. because it is such a cash cow. Yeah. It's a phenomenon. It's, it's, it's like Disney world, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's an amazing how popular it is. And the, you know, I, I've got, I'm a little bit old school. I I do like tradition. I, I value the, that kind of thing. And, I don't want to see it get too – I don't think it can get too much watered down when you're having teams like the Bucks 8-9 and nine, hosting a playoff game. Yeah. I mean, you know, the NFC South was a train wreck this year. I hate seeing losing teams get into the playoffs. Uh It just – you know, even though I was going for the Bucks over the Cowboys because I'm a sucker for a nostalgic story, I thought, okay, maybe Tom Brady's finally going to pull his magic here at the end. Didn't happen. Um but I don't know what the TBR ratings for that game was, but I guarantee you they were pretty high.
2: They should add a caveat where even if you're a division winner, if you have a losing record, then you get replaced by the next best wild card team. There's just you can't have teams with losing records in the playoffs. I don't care if they win their division or not. Yeah,
1: I mean I'd be for that and I don't know in history of professional sports, you know, what the worst record to make the playoffs and do actually well like I'm a big baseball fan I remember in 06 the Cardinals got in the playoffs 83 and 79 and won the World Series yeah and and of course the Mets back in 73 with Willie Mays I think they went like 82 and 79 and made the World Series and lost to the A's
2: the Braves World Series team in 2021 had the worst record of any team in the playoffs I think they won 87 games
1: yeah, so you, you'll see that once all, but they, they still were 15, 14 games over 500. Right, right, right. The Bucks, you know, lose a morning and win. It's like bowl games getting in with losing records. We've seen some bowl teams do that in recent years. Uh, I think that's even more water down to what we're talking about here in the NFL. Again, uh, as long as people keep uh, keep watching, there's a chance that they'll keep expanding. Just like as long as people keep paying for gas... We'll just continue to go <laughs> up and down, right?
2: <laughs> it's a supply and demand world, and that definitely includes the NFL as well. Uh wouldn't yes. be surprised if they try and get more teams in the playoffs now because of the success of the the seven teams in in each conference.
1: Or just this podcast. I mean, if Roger Goodell's listening. Touch. That's right. He's a, he's like, you know what? These guys are to something, man. Yeah,
2: we're gonna we're gonna single handedly uh, convince the NFL to go even broader, bigger, and broader with the uh, with the postseason. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen overnight, but I do know what happen overnight is more content being churned out by you on FloridaGators.com. Uh, and again, as this transfer portal keeps going, listen, who knows what we'll be talking about this time next week. That's the beauty of it. That's why it's, it's fun to watch, but I can't imagine it's fun to participate in and have to be the one pulling in and trying to keep these players through all this chaos. But, uh, we will We will have that information. It'll be on com. Make sure to follow Scott at Gators Scott on Twitter for the latest news and updates. Uh, Scott, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, Adam. Um, thank you. And hopefully uh, Sean and Chris will transfer back into the podcast next week.
2: That's right. Re-enter, re-enter the portal. <laughs> yes, yes. When it comes to having a signature look, athletes can stand out in a number of ways. And much like Dennis Rodman set the standard for drawing attention with increasingly unpredictable hairstyles, Kawase Reeves has also become known for his freewheeling follicles. We spoke to the sophomore guard about his trademark feature and the reactions it garners, but began by discussing his early years up I 75 in Macon, Georgia. Oh, it's cool, man. It's like, not really
0: that much to do there. I want to say it's a small town, it's small, like, it's more like historical. Like there's not really that many attractions there, like tourist stuff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's just really just you know just a little simple town. honestly.
2: So what does what does one do to stay uh, to stay entertained in Macon if it doesn't doesn't have those kind of things you're talking about? What what was going on there that was uh, that was exciting?
0: Just normal stuff, really, movies stuff like
2: that. Uh, but now we do have
0: like the cherry blossom festival in Macon. Oh, that's
2: cool. Okay, and that's
0: something we would do every year.
2: So when did when did basketball enter the picture for you? What do you remember about when you first started playing?
0: I first started playing when I was like four, and I was just like playing around with it though, because I was playing other sports as well. And I didn't really get all the way serious; like I just knew I was only going to be playing basketball to like freshman year of high school.
2: Hmm. What uh what was it that that made basketball the the clear winner for you and uh, the, the sport you you knew you wanted to pursue? Well baseball,
0: I always liked baseball, but then I just like kind of fell out like I just didn't really wanna play it no more. Like I wasn't interested in it anymore. And then football, it was I didn't know how big I was gonna get. So it was like a business decision that like <laughs> I was like five nine ish going into freshman year of high school and everyone else was getting bigger and those hits were getting harder. So I was like, Yeah, I'm cool. I'm just I'm, I like basketball. <laughs> Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, yeah. I, I like the sport where they're not allowed to hit me, right? <laughs> so at, at what point did you realize basketball could could take you places? Because there's obviously a difference between, well, I'm going to really focus on this sport and, oh, this can get me to college. This could be a career for me. What was it that told you you could take that path?
0: Right at the end of my freshman year, going into my uh, sophomore year, like that summer, it, uh, actually it was... UF, they were recruiting a guy on my team. and He was, like, top 10 in the country. But then the old staff here, they, like, started recruiting me. But I was still around the same size and stuff like that. And I just thought, like, maybe they were just trying to use that as a way to get him, him. But everything they was telling me had started to come true. Like, they was telling me I was going to be taller and things like that. And then it started happening for me. So that's when I really realized, like, okay, Maybe this thing can take me places where I didn't think.
2: I think some of the some of the best recruiting stories can come from uh, a guy that wasn't the initial target. I know that when when Florida was recruiting Nick Calathis, uh, they happened to see Chandler Parsons, and he obviously becomes a big star. So I guess you never know once you get on their radar what could happen. Um, once Florida started showing interest, did other schools pick up as well? Did it sort of become a a a competition to get you to uh, to show up on campus?
0: Uh, yes. like Especially like 10th grade, 1 to 11th grade in summer. Like, that summer was huge for me. That's when I started really like to pick up trash and then a lot of schools started to like offer me and wanted me to come on visits and stuff like that.
2: So when all that started, what do you remember about the process and what, what were you looking for in a school? What made what made Florida stand out, obviously, because that's where it ended up, but what was it that you were really focused on in your search?
0: Like, I was just looking for, like, location, style of play, and, like, the school environment, for real.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what ultimately made me come here. Like, I just came on so many visits, and I just knew the school so well, like, coming into college.
2: When you came into the program, what do you remember about the the early days? Who took you under their wing? Who helped get you up to speed and make sure that you were you know, really into the culture, into the program? Was it it one guy? Were there a couple guys?
0: It was mostly all the guys for real because we had an older group last year. So it was like Mm -hmm. Flan, Keontae still would help. Uh, Just all the older guys because we really, I really, it was just two freshmen on the team. Everybody else was like juniors, seniors, grad transfers. So they had been in college for a little while. But yeah, I would say especially guys like uh Daruji and Colin, obviously, like all those type guys, Keontae, all the older guys were just helping me, like, figure it out.
2: What was the hardest part for you? Was it was it the basketball part of the transition or was it more about being away from home, living on your own? What was most challenging for you in, in your first year?
0: Yeah, it probably was the basketball part. Then,
2: like, being away from home really
0: didn't bother me and, Having to live on my own and be responsible for getting up all that, that, that really didn't bother me. Probably was the basketball part it was just like figuring out as a young guy on an older team how to, you know, help, help produce. That's probably one of the hardest parts.
2: Did you uh, did you have any, any freshman moments? I remember the best one I've heard is Chris Chioza said he got on the wrong bus, ended up at the airport instead of class one time. Did you have any... Uh... Any any freshman mishaps as you were trying to to learn the the way things were at UF? No,
0: I can't remember nothing like that. I I try to avoid all those I've never rode the bus here just for that <laughs> reason. I didn't want it to yeah, like I've heard crazy stories about people getting on the bus, ending up at like Walmart. Yeah, practice. Like I I heard crazy stories like that. So. <laughs> yeah, I always avoid the bus.
2: You, you can add Chris Chioza ending up at the airport to that list of reasons why. Uh, why the, you got to be really careful if you get on the bus and know exactly where you're going. Um, yeah. so you were you were obviously recruited by uh by Coach White and the previous staff. Uh, and then they leave at the end of last year. What do you remember about that time? How how challenging was that for you when you know, you just finished your freshman year? You're just kind of getting the hang of things, and then this this huge unexpected event happens. That kind of changes everything for the program.
0: Um, I'm not sure. It was just like a weird time, honestly. Like everybody was just, it was just so much uncertainty. Like you didn't know what was going on for real. That's really how I remember that time. Everybody just trying to figure out what they was going to do for the next year.
2: So when the new staff came in and, and you met them, you got to know them. What was it that made you want to stay? I mean, a lot of people leave in that scenario. So what did they tell you? Where, you know, what areas did you click where you realized, okay, this is still going to be the best place for me moving forward? It, it was like just the how comfortable I was with them.
0: I spent like the whole spring with the new staff and I knew what it was about. You know, that was ultimately kept me. Like, I just was already used to this environment also. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that was like, helped me. Yeah, for the most part, that was it. Just, I was used to this environment and then the coaches came in and like, really talked about their plan for the season. It really like sold me on that. So,
2: What have you seen change the most from last year to this year? What What parts of the program can you clearly see are, are different? Or what what approaches has the new staff taken that were different from the way things were before?
0: Oh, no, it's just the whole culture is different. Like we just do certain things different. Like, like we lift like weights right before practice. It's just like just little things that's different.
2: I have to ask, what was it like uh, playing against Coach White and so many of your former coaches and staff members a couple weeks ago? I, I have to imagine that was kind of odd, but was it was what you expected it to be? Did you did you pretty quickly forget about it? Just became a normal game. What what was that like?
0: No, it was definitely fun. I mean, it's always fun to just play against. another not um, a. Normal situation, your know, whole entire staff leaves for a school, so that's like it was fun just seeing those guys again. You know, getting to compete against them. I actually knew all their staff, even because they it was Coach White and two other coaches from the staff last year that were here, and then their other their other assistant coach was at Clemson. He recruited me out of high school, so I actually knew all their coaches. So that was like that was like just a fun you know experience.
2: Was it was it fun because you won, or would it have been less fun if you lost against them, probably?
0: Definitely, definitely. It would have been less.
2: <laughs> it's always fun when you win, right? It's always fun when you win. Um, when, when you look at your game in particular, in what ways do you think you've improved and, and evolved the most from freshman to sophomore year? Because I know that that's a big jump for a lot of people where they make some strides. So where where do you think that's happened for you?
0: Um. I think the biggest jump is just like being more complete all around, like giving like being better on defense, rebounding better and like doing things besides shooting. Last year if I really wasn't just like making threes, I wasn't really playing. I would have really helping help him produce. So this year I like rebound better. Go to the basket, like mix it up and then just help, you know. I think I helped in other ways more than just that now.
2: Um, I have to ask you about your hair. I'm sure you ask about this all the time. Uh, but it's the first thing people notice about you as, as I feel like ever since you came on campus. Um, when did when did doing crazy things with your hair become a thing? Where where did that come from?
0: Uh, it was always a thing for me. I just like creativity. Like I really don't I don't know how to explain it but it never really like it never really bothered me. Like some people would be like scared to do a certain thing because like what they think people perception of them would be but that never bothered me. So I think that maybe be like what people like about it I don't know I just whatever I'm feeling that's where I go with and it's always kind of been like that even when in high school it wasn't to this extent but I always had like my hair like or just do it did stuff how I wanted it, how I wanted it to look
2: so where where do your ideas come from like I'm, I'm thinking is this like do you have a, a list of ideas and you just check them off one by one where does the inspiration come from for uh, for what you do with your hair? No, it's definitely just
0: spontaneous, like whatever I'm thinking or whatever somebody suggests to me,
2: I'll try. Do you have like a time where it's okay, every two weeks I got to change this up or every every week I need something different or is it just as, as things hit you, they sort of just, you go with it?
0: Yeah, as things hit me, I really don't have like a time frame.
2: There's no process here.
0: Yeah, no, it's <laughs> completely like. On the spot spontaneous.
2: I'm curious what what do your, your friends, family, teammates think? Do they ever give you a hard time about it? Or are they ever like, wait, what they they saw you on Sports Time, like what is going on with that today?
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes some people call and ask <laughs> what made me do that. <laughs>
2: what's the uh what's the look you've gotten the most reaction from? Do you remember which one get had the, the most people blowing up your phone being like, dude, what what is going on with this?
0: Maybe the spider webs. Spiderwebs. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you have uh, some plans for ones that you can tell us about that we should look for in in the near future?
0: Not really. I mean, like I say, I don't really like, have no ideas in mind. I just <laughs> go with whatever I feel
2: as it happens. I like it. Um, a couple final things for you. Outside of uh, of basketball, when you're away from the court and you're not working on your hair, what are some other things you enjoy doing? What uh, what hobbies? are uh, are most important to you uh, I
0: read like manga like japanese comics mm. i like draw sketch sketch a lot you know things like that i enjoy like creativity all things like that
2: how did you how'd you get into uh into japanese comics and then and, and sketch that seemed, I, you you don't hear that very often from guys
0: yeah i always um just always drawing and sketching and stuff like that mm. uh like, just growing up. And then the comic thing, Japanese comics. I was, I picked it up during COVID. You know, everybody was at home just trying yeah. to find something. And I started reading them. And then it just became something else. And now I have, like, this big shelf, bookshelf collection of them. I don't know.
2: Did, did you learn how to read Japanese to be able to uh, to get into that?
0: No, you don't. It's, like, translated in English. Oh, it's,
2: tra- I was going to say, be, what interesting way to learn a new language. If you did all just, all through, uh, but through it comics. But it is read
0: from right to left. Though.
2: Okay, so it's yeah. So you're getting a little flavor of it, right?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, final thing for you uh, as you move through this season, as this, this team competes, trying to get to the tournament. What are you most focused on? What what do you th- as far as I know, we talked about where you think you've improved the most. What are the biggest goals for you a, as the season goes on?
0: You know, just help make a run, help help be like one of the top teams in the conference, and then eventually, you know, make the tournament. Because, you, know, I mean, that's a big goal for me because I never experienced a March Madness tournament mm-hmm. up until this point. Like my freshman year, obviously, we didn't go. So I'm just trying to get to that.
2: Well, Kweisi, we wish you a lot of luck in achieving that. And we thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. Be sure to keep track of all of the orange and blue action by visiting FloridaGators.com, then come back here every Thursday during the athletic season for an all-new episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gator Tales.